Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure and hit the subscribe button and turn on the notification bell to be notified. If you don't subscribe to us already, there's a lot of traffic we get from um, you guys that you're not subscribed. And it goes a long way to being able to help us reach people who are searching these same topics on YouTube, whether they want to learn more about a Cummins, Duramax, Power Stroke, and like and comment. You know, Let us know how you like the episode. If there's a guest you want on, a topic that you would like us to cover, we love hearing from you guys and love to be able to do future episodes to get your questions answered. On today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with Chris Patterson from Unrivaled Diesel, and his truck just hit 3,401 horsepower, a whole bunch of torque. I wanted to catch up with him from an episode we did a while ago. Ask him about the truck itself, what the perception has been like out there in the performance world um, with the the bar that he set and the power that he's making with his truck. And then also ask him some 48RE questions. He builds 48REs at his shop, and we know there's a lot of you guys that have 5.9s out there and are looking for a tow setup, something to be able to handle you know, working day in and day out. So we're going to go through some build setups with him. Before we get to it, I want to thank our friends over at Kershaw Knives for giving 20% off to our listeners on their site. If you go to kershaw.kiausa.com, use code DIESEL20, you get 20% off site-wide. They've got a ton of different products, a ton of different knives, whether you need something for EDC or hunting, fishing, at work, around the house and really a ton of things to meet really any budget that you might have so no matter what you're looking for they've got something for you so if you're in the market definitely make sure and head on over and take advantage of that discount code all right let's get to today's episode with chris and talking about this 3401 horsepower dyno run that his truck had chris welcome to the diesel podcast i'm excited to chat with you today um we chatted a long time ago i think it was about diesel power challenge and you know kind of racing and stuff but your truck has changed entirely since way back when and i saw you had a like hit a major milestone recently so i thought it'd be good for us to chat catch up a little bit and you know talk trucks for sure for sure it's definitely changed over the course of time but at the same time it hasn't really changed that much we've just gotten better at making it live and pushing the limit i uh i know our our audience is going to know what we're chatting about today by the title, but I saw recently pretty much everywhere this power number that you hit, which is incredible because I remember when 2000 horsepower was a big deal and you know, guys like yourself have pushed that number even higher. So tell me yeah. about, uh, tell me about the truck, what it did recently and uh, kind of walk us through the, the power and the torque it's making. Well, obviously it's my 07, five, nine, six, seven, Dually 3,500. I've been racing for a few years. And the current combination is Hamilton competition uh, modified coolant block, high test block that we filled. And we have uh, DNJ stage three head, DNJ rod, Hamilton cam, uh, flux 450% injectors, twin 14 millimeter exergy pumps, and VS racing at 83 over 106 ball bearing. And that's kind of the same combination we've been playing with for about two years. It's just taken us a little while to refine it, to go all the way up. Um, 
we tried that at the ultimate callout challenge and we made a few mistakes and it was very obvious. So now we fixed those. And what we did Saturday was what we were bringing to UCC. On that number, the horsepower was like 3401 or, or it was over 3400 and then torque was crazy. What was it like 4500 or something like that? Uh, yeah, it was 3401 and 4556. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It worked out really well. What, um, what really helped bring it together to reach that level where it didn't before? Like, was it tuning? Was it a bunch of different things that factored into it or what helped you maximize the setup? Um, that's a good question. We didn't, we didn't get to turn it all the way up like we did until this Saturday. Whenever we were at, UCC, I made a bad call on the VHT and I made a bad call leaving the triple turbos on it. They just, the way the triples came on was a whole lot really quick and it wasn't spread out over very much RPM and it was hard to make that hook up. So the VHT made the tire greasy. The triples really hit really hard all at once. And then um, we actually had the wrong file loaded in the ECM. We had sled pulled two weeks before coming to UCC and I have an 849 ECM and an electric transfer case. So to get full wheel low, you have to flash in an automatic file, shift to forward low, and then flash in your full manual file. Well, in the midst of getting ready, I never flashed in the full manual file. So I was limited on the cubic millimeters of fuel demand. And I didn't find that out until I came home. And I was looking at all the data logs from all week at ECC. And we were able to see that we only had 74% of the fuel. And that's, that's hard, but it is what it is. And it's my mistake and I don't have to. And when I think of that much power, that much torque, I'm sure everything needs to be dialed in. Like not just the engine and the tuning and the, you know, the fuel and turbos, but like, especially the transmission, like that's a ton of power oh, yeah. to crank through something. Oh yeah. Yeah. The transmission has been out once or twice that there's no, <laughs> there's no way it's Dodge needs transmission. Uh, it has taken a lot of carnage to learn how to make one live and and what it takes to get there is quite astounding. But earlier this summer, we were up to about eight to 12 passes at 22 to 2400 horsepower down track around 6,000 pounds. And I can live with that until the second gear band was just flat out shot. There was no meat left to grab. So that's acceptable at that range. And then um, we've really started kind of turning up the power and started turning it up a little bit. So now we're going to go back to the drawing board and try something else a little bit new. Now going from like 22 to 2400 to 3400, and I'm sure you're aiming for higher. What kind of new weaknesses do you find in a, a 47 or 48 that we didn't know existed? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say it didn't, it wasn't burning through clutches and it wasn't breaking transmission shafts. It was basically what I, the problems I've been facing in the transmission department is breaking the band in half and going with the billet band route, but each style of band has its own pros and cons and then ballooning up converters. So we're going to drop the line pressure a little bit, kind of see how that helps with the converter stuff. Um, and then ultimately it would be really cool if someone made an, an aftermarket 48 case that took an OD clutch splined into the case, kind of like how 68s do, and just delete the band altogether. Make your own case, make your own direct drum that can take clutches. 
I don't know. It, it would probably fix all the second gear problems in 48. But other than that, the transmissions live and it works great. Second gear is just the hardest thing to do. With um, <clears throat> with people following, <clears throat> excuse me, following you, following the truck, like it's, I know I've paid attention to it. I, I remember when we chatted before and what you were aiming for and doing and you were working hard to get the truck put together. And then now we see this huge power number. Um, you know, what kind of, what kind of feedback do you get either from people who are like fans or other racers or companies seeing how you're pushing the envelope with this? Like, is it, does it spur the competition, you know, with other guys or does company say, Hey, how can we help you? What, you know, what can we do to help your truck at 3,500, 3,800, however high, you know, these trucks are going to end up being at. Yeah. I don't know how high they're going to wind up being. I don't really know that I care to find out how high they keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's like, at what point is it going to stop? You just never know. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the time, anything that's really good that we've done has been taken with negativity and uh, debate and not a lot of credit. So at first, it's naysaying. And then as it continues and it gets faster and shows more power and shows more durability people have switched over to the positive side and admitting that it actually is 3000 horsepower and it was 3000 horsepower. There's all sorts of details that everybody can look at as far as the way it sounds, the way it pulls, the way it jumps, what tire you have, how big the flame out of the stack is like, there's all sorts of ways that you can still do all this stuff and people can nitpick anything they want to pick. But um, when it was first originally 3,089, it was not accepted by hardly anybody. And then after UCC, a lot of that changed whenever you do six pulls in 30 minutes like a fool. Um, maybe I would do that differently again. Maybe not so hard-headed and maybe stop and look at the data. But, you know, mistakes were made. And then it, it wouldn't even have changed anything. We could have got the VHT off the tire, but you still would have had triples. So you had to work around that. So that showed like the durability aspect. And at that point, a lot of the, uh, the hate had stopped and the acceptance began that it really was something. And then um, the race week really proved the durability that of, of like the oil system and the cooling system and how streetable something that radical really can be. Now, I had tons of transmission problems, but it was out of parts. I had no more converters. I had no more training parts to throw together. So we kind of shifted our role on that event and then we let it all out at weekend on the edge there were still mistakes that were made um there always will be as long as you just learn from what you do and apply the changes going forward with you and your team and your sponsors you'll always do better so i think that there's 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 probably more in it and i think i could do it a little bit better it was a little bit dirtier than what i like and you could hear the pull and tell that some things were off um, we did wind up hurting it and we came home and immediately pulled the motor out, tore the whole thing down. Um, there's coolant everywhere. Like it cracked the head in such a fashion that four out of six cylinders were, were losing coolant through the exhaust. I literally think the dyno smack over temperature or over pressurized and blew cracks into the cooling system because it was running on, on water basically. But no mechanics were hurt. The pistons look great. The rods look great. The bearings look great. It's all here. It's all coming out on video. So everybody's going to get to see that. But um, 
in my opinion, the 3,400 horsepower is now accepted. It was on the correct dyno and the correct people were there to see it. And it was, it was all right there and there wasn't anything to hide. There never is anything to hide. Would it make more? Yeah, probably. If I put on some lightweight race wheels with a good, like a 315 Pro tire or something, it would hook up and have less inertia or less weight in the dyno. And yeah, it would probably do better. But I did it on duels and it hooked up for the most part. So that's, that's a fine. that's a really interesting topic. And I wanted to stay on it just for a couple of minutes here is what you were talking about with kind of blazing a trail, doing something different, doing your own thing, something you want to do. And people do that every day with their work, their shop, their businesses, or just trying to do something. If they start a YouTube channel or they start like a Instagram or TikTok or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm what kind of perspective or what helped you through that process? Because I'm thinking of the time you invest into that truck, the people that are helping you, the passion you have for it, the late nights, the hard work, you go out and do something. And then people say, Oh, that's, it's not the right dyno. Oh, he didn't do it the right way. I don't believe it. It wasn't this, it wasn't that. What kind of mindset do you have to have to persevere through that and kind of stay focused and positive yourself while you're working towards these goals? Well, that's the hardest thing to do of anything beyond diesel horsepower, beyond running a business, beyond being married, beyond sharing a life with anybody is a mindset. And so that has been the biggest challenge of my life is every day trying to do your best and get up and go when you know you wake up to hundreds of notifications. So then you ask yourself, well, why do I even need to keep going? Like, why don't I just throw in the rag now and be done? But it's not that that's ever even an option in my mind because I can't, because if you tell me I can't do it, I'm going to prove to you differently. And so I've always driven and pushed and pushed and pushed the parts that we broke learning all this. It was never horsepower related parts. I mean, you can fret some rod caps and understand that you're past a certain level of connecting rod and you can melt a piston because you didn't have your oil system figured out. That's not a horsepower related failure. That's an engine building failure. So we have never found a limit. And so it, it was never like, let's just hold it here and stop. It was like, well, let's turn it up some more. We'd find another 100 or 150 cubes of fuel. We'd find another way to get a little bit better torque curve out of it. We'd find another way to protect another part. And we just kept going and going. And we kept literally kept adding fuel and adding nitrous until we started getting the results we want. And we would have formulas on paper for where we think it would do you know, based on theory and development and research. And then we would go out and it would do it. Like, quite honestly, we had 3450 on paper before we even left Texas to go to Utah. And it did 3401. That's that's pretty good for a prediction. For a 400 horsepower increase prediction, I think that's pretty good. And we've always, always done research like that. Whenever we thought we had 2,000, we did. It took us eight or nine dyno runs, but we did. And then we had some predictions. We went to Colorado last year at the Diesel on the Mountain event and did 25. And then we went to All Truck and I told Sarah and Matt, I said, the first run's gonna be 2,500. The second run should be 3,000. I want you to back the people up from here to here. I want this to be safe. And that's basically what we did. And it's just really unfortunate that people have basically shunned all of that. But as of the past four months, it's been it's been accepted is uh 
is that day-to-day part of it is it uh well i think it's perseverance but it's also stubbornness too and just, yes uh, <laughs> i'm very stubborn very hard absolutely absolutely <laughs> but i think that's where a lot of uh a lot of parts of this not just the truck side if people wonder or they think man i'm, I'm not getting maybe i'm not getting the sales or the customers aren't calling or i'm not getting the views or there's so many different examples of it maybe these people are right maybe i'm not doing it right and you know with something you're doing with your truck and with your business and you've done for a while people are looking kind of for those tips or those you know those insights of do i just need to be stubborn do i just need to be i don't know (laughs) i don't i don't know if you need to be stubborn um i would say be smart but also don't be afraid of failure it's a long, long, long road to come up with a product that you make on your own that you test to the limit every time you take it out. And you need a very, very, very good team of people behind you that believe in you and understand and support and help in any way they can. And that that's one of the hardest parts is the perseverance and the, like, keep going, keep going. Because it gets very old. Last year at the same weekend on the Edge event in Utah, we drove all the way up there. And we put the transmission in the night before and, you know, did all that crap. We go up there and I had rolled the torque converter seal on the Sancher shaft and lock up, apply and release wasn't right because there was the seal was rolled in it and it burnt the converter as soon as we spooled it up. I literally spent $4,000 going there with my team and back for nothing for 851 horsepower graph. And the announcer claimed it as a 3000 horsepower truck and it did not make 3000 horse before then. And that's a really hard thing to overcome is showing up 22 hours away with all your stuff, breaking it, not being able to do anything about it, turn around and go home and, you know, try to do business on Monday. It's just, it's really hard to keep that going, but it's been a a stepping stone. The first all truck challenge was that way for me, three rounds into drag race and we spun a rod bearing and I lost all hope because I just showed up the first day and then now we can't do anything. And I lost that one. I had to set that one out. Not long after that, I think the three, uh, the 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 Dino Run in Utah last year did that, and then the UCC. I think that same year was that way. We blew up three motors the week before UCC, and the way they were coming apart, it was it was going to hurt somebody. We saw the signs initially, and we were able to save it from massive failure, but it was going to come apart the way we hit it, and. I didn't want to hurt anybody. So I set out UCC of 21 and that was really hard. We spent a hundred thousand dollars in six months and didn't even go to the event. A lot of people don't understand what that's like to carry a burden like that. So once you do come back and all your stuff's ready and running and you show up and you do your best, it sure is rewarding. Yeah. And that's just what keeps you going is that next, you know, that next wave. It's like the ocean goes up and down. Well, so does the emotions and the bank account and all this other crap around here to race these trucks. It just goes up and down. Well, I think back, say when you first wanted to race, what if you would have hit 3,401 horsepower the very first time you took it out and then somebody came up to you and said, Hey, Chris, um, I've kind of got a similar setup, but it's not doing X. It's not doing Y. It's not doing Z or, Hey, why isn't the, uh, the converter locking or why isn't this happening? You wouldn't have any knowledge or experience to say, I went this route. This is what happened. Um, I did this. It didn't work. Um, I had to adjust this at this level. So there, 
it seems to be a ton of knowledge that you learned through those failures so that right now somebody could probably walk in your shop asking yeah, right, how to I, do <laughs> hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner luckily armor all america's most trusted auto appearance brand has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine plus now through may 31st we'll give you five dollars for every 20 you spend on armor all products that means car wash pods protectant tire shine you name it find out how to get your five dollar rebate at armorall.com armor all less work more clean Terms apply. Yeah, and I'm, just, I'm hearing people pull up now too. It's <laughs> funny, but yeah, it uh, it is definitely that thing where you have to go down the road before anybody else. If you're going to provide service and technical advice, and you're going to help people with their vehicles and take their money and work on it or whatever, you have to go down that road further than they have. So if you don't know how to fix it, then don't even fix it. If you don't know what's going on, then don't even say what you think is going on. You have to know these things. People look up to us as shops and racers and builders or whatever you are people look up to that and you have to be for sure about what's going on so yeah without the journey i wouldn't be in business i'm in business because of this journey it all started with whenever nhrda came to town i had a daily driver that i built compounds in my driveway somebody's like hey you want to build me a set sure i guess you can take it to my house that's fine i'll do you a pair and then it just took off with with the the kind of work side of it or, or the shop side, there's a lot of a lot of questions that people have. I think, you know, when you've been around diesel for a really long time, and you know, you spent time way back in the day on the forums or read magazines, and you're on YouTube and stuff. You kind of you have some knowledge of, of five nines and uh, transmissions and things like that. But a lot of guys are going back to the older trucks um, for whatever reason that they do it. And I wanted to ask you some transmission questions about. 47s and, and 48 REs. One of the questions I see all the time is a guy that's towing. He's not racing or anything like that, but he's you know, running a program or maybe um, a turbo makes a little bit more power, some 60 horse, 50 horse injectors, and they know they need to do a transmission build. What are some must haves that you would really need kind of in that say high four, maybe 550 horsepower range, but they're towing all the time. Like, do I need a billet flex plate? Do I need a billet input? Do I need other billet shafts? What would you suggest for kind of that ultimate towing setup on a four speed? The best thing, in my opinion, for ultimate towing is a great big, huge Mishimoto front mount cooler. Like you have to keep it cool. And then a BD tap shift so you can select second gear, second gear lock, third gear, third gear lock. It's up and down. There's multiple modes. And then a cheap billet flex plate, a nice single disc converter, and an economy billet input shaft, like a two-piece input shaft. All the little small parts that you can do with the valve body off, the servos, the springs, all that stuff, the band lever stuff, and then just a good valve body, something like a Muldoon's valve body. Just You already know it's proven. It's cheap enough as it is. You can put it on without taking the training out. But, you know, if you're talking a 500 horsepower tow truck, you're going to have that transmission out because you're not going to want to break that shaft off in the middle of New Mexico, in the middle of nowhere. Like, that's the worst place to do something like that so you're going to want to overbuild it slightly for a tow truck of that caliber but and, it's really sweet and simple and with um one of the questions i have is about clutches and i think a lot of times maybe they're pre-packaged or like if i call a place and say hey i need a transmission they're going to make that decision for me but are there different types of materials like say that you would use on your race truck that you wouldn't use on a tow setup or, or what are your thoughts on 
the actual clutch materials, band materials, things like that? Well, I can only speak on my experience, but what I say is no, they're the exact same thing. My transmissions in the green truck and the mega cap are GPZs, Keylone steels, Borg second gear band. It's the normal clutch steel band combination that probably 90% of the builders use. So no, every transmission I build gets GPZ clutches and, and uh, Keylone steels and a Borg second gear band, every single one of them. With the valve body itself and options for it, is as far as shift quality, that's another question that I'll hear a lot is some guys love like a firm shift, other guys they don't, they want it to be really smooth. <clears throat> so for something you're driving every day, like how much does the valve body control that or what should like a, a quality shift feel like in, you know, that kind of high 400, maybe mid 500 daily driver, you know, tow rig transmission, what should that feel like? I would say at very light throttle, it would be slightly more than a stock shift or I mean, it depends on how you call a stock shift in 48, but it, it should be um, a slight bump. You should definitely feel it. And then as you give it all the throttle and the line pressure comes up, and definitely once the converter's locked, you're going to have a very firm shift. I am a believer in firm shifts. That way, you know it's there. You feel its consistency. And then with its consistency, you can tell the condition of the pump and the line pressure and the filter and everything else. You just know how it shifts. And it's hard to have one that shifts really super soft and then know that it's good in consistency. So I prefer the, the harder shift. And the more power, or not really the more power, but the more RPM and more pressure you use, the firmer it's going to shift. Once you start talking into horsepower, that's when the more power you make kind of changes the shift just because you're using so much power. When the clutches slam, they don't have the same effect as they do turn down low as far as power. Now with this is, these are the hardest questions because I don't build these things. I, I don't know, but it's usually somebody who has a truck and the transmission's doing something and they want to know, Hey, do I need to rebuild it? Can I get by with it? What are some common, say like three things that when a stock transmission is you know going out or having an issue that you would tell somebody, Hey, you need to bring the truck into the shop. It's going to leave you stranded somewhere. Um, we need to address this now while you can still drive it in. doesn't have to arrive on a flatbed. Like, is it, is it heat, um, you know, fluid condition? Do they notice, um, the RPM shooting up when they're, you know, getting into the throttle or the throttle or what are some things people should look out for and know, Hey, a, a transmission rebuilds right around the corner. Um, definitely the temperature thing. If they are just constantly overheating, you know, that's probably number one. You have to get temperature under control. Uh, shuttle shifting in a 48, that's a big one for the second gear, getting ready. And flare shifting is a big one that once you get a flare to three, you know that third gear is probably going, going out. Delayed engagement or buzzing noises when you engage it or having to rev it up for it to finally fall into gear. Things like that. Most of those things can be dealt with using a CTS-3 watching transmission temperature or, or even a CTS-3 with an external add-on for line pressure. There's no reason. More guys should definitely do that. There's no reason not to have a line pressure gauge on a common rail truck. So there are things that people need to look at, plus adjusting their band religiously, counting the threads, counting the port, seeing you know, how much is wearing and how fast it is, because you have to stay on top of it. With temperature, you'd mentioned that with your race truck and then also, you know, with something that's being daily driven, what's a normal range that they should be in? 
and then what's what's too much like what's just you know something's going on is it like 200 210 a normal range in my experience is about 20 degrees under engine temperature so if your motor is 180 your transmission should be about 160. now if i put on the cooling system and like this is my unit then the thing should never really get above 140 160 here in texas on a hot rod truck and once you start making rounds at the track it's all dependent on how long you stood on the converter and all that um the point you should shut it off to me would definitely be like 200 or something but if the transmission runs hotter than the engine you have major problems and one can overheat the other so you also have to be aware that the cooling system the engine has to be just as good as the cooling system on the transmission they both work the same with each other would now as far as like doing a, a more capable transmission cooler does that typically keep the temperatures where they need to be or at what point do you need to think about a secondary cooler i haven't had to yet on a third gen you can do a 6.0 mishimoto uh, training cooler from a power stroke application and the thing is like 31 inches wide 25 inches tall you got to cut the core support you got to modify the top core brace you got to do some work but dude it's freaking huge <laughs> and that's what's on my green truck but on my mega cab, it's an 06 common rail. It has a Mishimoto stock third-gen replacement, and that's it. We've deleted the heat exchanger on the side. It's a full manual valve body transmission, just the same as the green truck. And I don't have transmission problems. We can tow with it. We can do whatever with it. It literally probably stays around 160, 165 all the time in Texas. And we have 100-degree days on the average. Yeah, I think I think the the transmission side it's 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 really cool because I'll chat with an engine builder or somebody who's really into tuning and stuff, and it's like transmissions. It's almost like this magical box that just if it works great, you don't even think about it. But there's so many things that can pop up with them where people can get intimidated, um, you know, by it, or or we don't know where to look. You know, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, what, sure. What we should focus on. So I, I wanted to ask you, you know, kind of those questions because those are ones I see all the time, and I'm sure you get them every day. And people are you know, lining up in the parking lot to, you know, say, "Hey, I got this this issue." But it, it's really cool to see how much has come along with the four speeds as far as the aftermarket and things you guys can do with them and ways you can build them to make them reliable. They're not that, you know, that perception, and maybe it was well founded that you know a stock four speed Dodge transmission just isn't that good, but I mean, the aftermarket has made them really, really stout. I agree 100%. I'm actually quite surprised that I can take a truck that weighs 5,800 pounds and put 2,200 horsepower to it and run mid fives and it lives. It doesn't live forever, but I can get eight to 12 passes out of it. And to me, that's good enough. And all you're doing is a second gear band and overdrive clutches, direct clutches, and that's about it. So it is pretty impressive. The shaft technology is there. The valve body technology is there. The converters are there. It all works. Now we got standalones being used all the time. There's transmission brake options. It's pretty impressive for the 48, as crappy of a transmission as it is, it's pretty impressive that it can still do those things. It's getting quickly into the Turbo 400 territory. So I'm kind of impressed like you with the, the technology in the four speed. It's pretty impressive. Now with the the truck, what's what's coming up next for it? Are there some more events you're heading to, you know, this year or as you head into 2023? Are you gonna change the setup or just kind of keep it where it is and and 
dial in and, and keep the consistency where it's at? So a whole lot. <laughs> um, the next event is the All Truck Challenge. That's November 4th through the 7th. I'm very excited for that. We did good last year, and I'm hoping that we have enough to take, you know, take home a W this year. Um, so that's the next event. That's like in six weeks. And then after that, or I guess I should say October 1st, the rules for UCC 2023 get released. And I'm unsure if I want to do it again or not. I'm not going to say that I'm going to look at the rules and see if I want to do it. But what I really, really want is I want my street truck back. I want to be able to drive it home, get the wife and go take her to Fort Worth and get a nice steak and, you know, walk around downtown and come home and call it a night. That's really fun. I can only imagine taking a, a, a detuned to 2000 horsepower truck out and having fun and coming back. That sounds great. Those days are kind of lost with this high level of competition that we're in. And that's where the, the all truck challenge really shines because it has full interior, has AC, cruise control. It's got everything right now. And I love that. I absolutely love it. And I don't really want to go lightweight fiberglass bedsides. I really don't want to do that again. But at the same time, knowing what we know after Saturday's performance, I would be interested in getting back on that dyno again and showing everybody again that dyno, one, that dyno run wasn't my best run. I kind of fell behind the gun a little bit. I think I could do a better attempt. So the idea of UCC is very entertaining, but I can't afford to run two trucks and I'm not going to hire anybody to do my job for me. So I just, I don't know. We got to see the rules and see if what I have to bring to the table fits the bill and, uh, and just make a judgment call from there. But honestly, the, the big future of the truck, regardless of UCC or regardless of all truck is street truck, detune it, get the high dollar stuff off of it. And then I just want to drive it around again and have fun like every day or drive it to work. It's just, it turns heads everywhere it goes. So why not do it more often? That's really, that's really what made these trucks fun in the beginning was being able to enjoy them every day, drive them, use them, you know, go on road trips or, you know, tow a trailer or just enjoy it every single day. And I think with all truck challenge, that's, what's really cool about it is you can, you can have both, you know, and it's both sides of it are awesome. Like, you know, 3,400 horse fiberglass body, like the UCC cool. trucks. It's cool. But it's yeah. like, I also want to enjoy something every day too. And have fun with it. Yeah. Like un unexpected GTR is rolling down the road. <laughs> Like uh, dedicated motorsports is right down the street. Frankenstein cylinder heads is a block from the shop. It's there's really good cars in this town, and they roll around on beadlocks and have pro chargers and nitrous kits. It's a lot of fun. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, for for people who are listening, they want to f follow your truck. Maybe they got um, you know forty speed forty eight re um, <clears throat> questions. They want to know more. I, maybe I didn't ask you the right question. Where can they find you? Like on Instagram, Facebook. Check out what you're doing and be able to connect with you. So Instagram is Chris underscore PAT zero five and Facebook, Chris Patterson. I pretty much run all my business through uh, my personal social media and all that, or um, unriveldiesel.com is the business address. You can type in and contact us or, or whatever, or email Chris at unriveldiesel.com. We're a small shop, but we try to get to what we can get to. There's just a whole lot of it out there, but this is what we do is Dodge Diesel only. 
Well, it's been, uh, it was cool to chat with you before, you know, years ago, and then also see how the truck has progressed and what you're doing with it is really cool. It's one of my favorite parts of doing a podcast is to watch the progression of trucks and shops and racers and everything. So, um, you know, it's been been cool to see what you've done. I look forward to seeing you at, at All Truck Challenge and, and what you do next year. And your time today was appreciated. And thank you for answering those questions for our audience so they could get some answers for their 48RE questions and, and everything. Keep us updated on it. Let us know, you know when you hit uh, maybe a different or higher power number or, or uh, right. where you're going to be at so we can follow along. Yeah, for sure. Definitely look for us at All Truck Challenge and we'll see how UCC comes out. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kiausa.com. Use code diesel20. get 20% off site-wide on knives, gear, anything on their site. They've got a ton of different choices for a bunch of different uses. So whether you need something for EDC or hunting, fishing, something around the house at work, and no matter what your budget is, they've got something there. So we appreciate our friends over there offering this discount code. It's just exclusive to you guys, and uh, it's a great way to save some money. Also want to give a shout-out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23Diesel, also Caleb, all of our Patreons, all of you who, who subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, all the podcast apps, those of you on our Discord. We appreciate all the support you guys have given us, all the ideas for episodes sharing your builds with us. We love seeing what you guys are working on out there and getting your questions on the podcast, um, chatting with experts in the field and being able to help you learn more about your truck, how to maintain it, how to make more power, how to make it more efficient. We love doing that. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.